So this morning's message is entitled, Sand or Rock, You Decide, The Wise and Foolish Builders. It's all about faithfulness, and I know the, the past two weeks of your summer on the mount that you've been looking at week four last, real faith, last week, fake or pseudo-faith, and today, we're going to pull it all together as Jesus finishes his sermon with theme of faithfulness as we look at these wise and foolish builders. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. I want to start this morning with a question. What is a fool? How does someone become foolish? Webster says that a fool is a person lacking in judgment or prudence, a person who acts in a way without thinking. Have you ever acted in a way without thinking? I think we all have at times. When my daughter was five years old, we were at Myrtle Beach on vacation. We got up one morning, and instead of going to the beach, I said, I would like to take Allison today to Myrtle Waves Water Park. That, that'll be a nice break. And Allison was all excited to go, being five years old, loving water, water slides and everything. Uh, none of the rest of my crew was excited to go. They would rather lay on the beach. And so Allie and I took off to Myrtle Waves for the day. Well, we got there a little late, and we went to the wave pool. Don't know if you all have ever been to a wave pool, but it's calm until they start the waves. When they ring the bell, the waves start. We got there. Everyone was in the wave pool waiting for the bell to ring. And everyone had inner tubes. They were out of inner tubes because we were late. So I thought, how bad can man-made waves be? We'll just get in here. We've been in the ocean. We've been in waves. No problem. So Allie's all excited. So we go out in the wave pool, and we're just getting ready. And then the bell rings, and then the waves start. And at first, not too bad, just a little here, a little there. And they kept getting bigger and bigger, and bigger, and all of a sudden what was here was here. And I was having to jump, and we were, I had her out in too deep of water. We were out, I, I grabbed her, and we were jumping, and I thought, man, we gotta get out of here. We needed an inner tube. And so I get, I think if I can make it over to the ladder at the side of the pool, we'll, we'll make it. So I kind of, as, as the waves would let my feet touch, we moved and I got over here and I was holding her up like this 
and I would put her up on the ladder and a wave would hit and knock her off and I'd have to grab her again and I'd put her up again and a wave would hit and knock her off. And finally, after about five tries, got her on that ladder. She was able to get a hold and got on up out of there. And then I got on up out of there and, and was so glad to be out of that rough wave pool. Later that day, we, went, we did the Lazy River. Dad was worn out here, and it's just 10.30. We did the Lazy River. We did some other, she did some water slides. We ate lunch. We came back to the wave pool, and I, I said, Dad's going to sit over here on one of these chairs, honey. You get out, and you stay in knee-deep water. So she got in. I sat down in the chair, and this lady's sitting there beside me. And I'm always one, I'm, I'm the guy that if you're sitting beside him on an airplane, I've got to talk to you. And so I'm sitting there and I looked at the lady and I said, I tell you what, those waves get pretty rough out there when they ring that bell. She said, you're telling me, she said, you wouldn't believe this idiot that was out there this morning with his little girl with no energy. <laughs> I looked at her and I said, people don't have good sense. We're all going to make mistakes sometimes. Have you been there? Remember the comedian that used to say, here's your sign? Well, maybe you've not been to Myrtle Waves, but maybe you've come to a decision that when you look back, you regret. Jesus knows we all make mistakes. If we were perfect, we wouldn't need a savior. We can get off track and we can do something stupid, something foolish, but that does not define us. Making one mistake doesn't make you the foolish man. But what does? The foolish person is the one who keeps going back to the same sin or sins or has a life plan without faith in Christ or doesn't have a plan at all. Jesus had just delivered the greatest sermon ever preached, and at the end he says, you've heard these words of mine, but if you don't put them into practice, you're headed for a crash. The rain is coming whether you build on the rock or you build on the sand. Notice that Jesus doesn't say that if the rain, if the storm comes your way, it's coming. And a few pages over in the Gospel of John, he says, in this world we're going to have trouble, but take heart, he has overcome the world. He wants us to build a good and strong spiritual house, and to do this, we have to hear these words of his and put them into practice. In Luke's version of this story, Luke says the foolish man built his house on the ground without a foundation. Everyone is building something. You're building something. I'm building something. Jesus compares these lives that we are living to building a house. And if we are building with the wrong plan, with no plan at all, or the right plan, but that we don't work on it, we're headed for a crash. How do we keep this from happening? 
How do we keep from being caught up in the storm and headed for a crash? How is the work going on your spiritual house? Do you have a plan? Or do you just get up every day and float? Every house built in Bristol starts with a plan. The builder just doesn't show up one day and say, well, we may need to pour some footers and I think we'll need some two-befores later and we'll worry about the wiring and the plumbing sometime and we may need some shingles. No, the good builder starts with a full set of plans. He digs the footers, orders and pours the concrete and plans each step and what will be done each day. The house doesn't just build itself, but there's a plan and there's work to be done to complete that house. Can it be any different with our spiritual house? Builders will tell you the most important part of the structure is the foundation. In Luke's version of this teaching of Jesus, Jesus says, the wise man dug deep and laid his foundation on the rock. Without this deep and proper foundation, the rest of the building is always going to be in jeopardy. You can always, you will always be worried about a high wind, a storm coming, or a shift in the ground. Thing about foundations are they're unseen. They're never decorated and they're never noticed until trouble comes. This is a fire extinguisher at our house. It lives under the sink in our kitchen next to the bug spray and the oven cleaner. You'll notice in a house that's never used as a decoration. My wife Karen never uses it as a centerpiece on the table. We don't put it out on the front porch as a decoration. We don't have it sitting on the fireplace mantle, as you can see up there. It looks pretty good, but we don't set it there. You know, I don't think much about that fire extinguisher. But when I need a fire extinguisher, I need it really bad. And nothing will take its place. That nice centerpiece piece on the table won't take its place. That nice front porch decoration cannot be used as a substitute for the fire extinguisher. The same goes for the foundation of our spiritual house. It remains unseen by the outside world, and when the storm comes, nothing will substitute. Just like weather storms, life storms tend to come quickly and often by surprise. When my daughter was a junior in high school, I wrote up what I call the life lessons for Allison. And we went over, it took us several days, and we kind of went over and I explained each one. And, and some of them are just these random things like always buy scotch tape and Windex brand, when the cleaner, there's a reason why they cost more. You ever get a roll of cheap tape and you can't get the end to come off of it? One of the, and a lot of the sayings in my life lessons 
aren't original to me. I don't want you to think I thought these up. But one that really stood out that I thought fit today's message was there is no cramming for a test of character. Those tests always come as a pop quiz. I see some of, several of you nodding out there. You know what I'm talking about. It's like I've got to make a decision right now. Do I choose rightly or do I not? How do we get this dug down deep, this rock foundation that Jesus is talking about in our spiritual lives? How can we be ready for the pop quizzes and the major tests that are to come? Well, you've come through the Summer on the Mount series where you've learned what Jesus taught. It's believed by many Bible scholars that Jesus preached this sermon or parts of it many times in many towns and villages that it was his go-to sermon on how to live. And it should be our go-to sermon on how to live as well. Here's a quick review. This is a tater paraphrase of the Sermon on the Mount. The Beatitudes. Blessed are you when you are poor in spirit, when you mourn, when you're meek, when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, when you're merciful, when your heart is pure, when you make peace, when you are persecuted unjustly, and when you are insulted and persecuted because you believe in Jesus. You are to be salt and light to let your light for Jesus shine. Jesus turns our understanding of the seriousness of sin up a notch when he says insulting someone is equal to murder or even thinking ill of them. Love your enemies, go the extra mile, strive to be perfect, be like God. Give to the needy and at the same time be humble. Here's how to pray. When you fast or sacrifice something, make it between you and God. Lay up treasures in heaven. You can't serve God and money. Do not worry. Rely totally on God. Think before you judge. Look at yourself first. Ask God. Look for God. Knock on God's door. Practice the golden rule. Do unto others. There are two gates, so choose wisely. Be careful what you listen to and who you listen to. Believing in Jesus is important. Doing the will of God is important as well. Put Jesus' words into practice. Be wise and build your house on the rock. Now, I condensed those and I left out some of the lessons, but I think we, we, get, we get the picture. That's what... Our summer has been about. But Jesus said that merely hearing God's word isn't enough to provide the secure foundation that we need. It's necessary that we are also doers of God's word. Can we adequately carry out these, the one, what I read was 15, but there are more, these 15 plus teachings on our own? No. Jesus tells us in another passage, how we're able to do it. John 15, 5, he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, 
you can do nothing. This vine and branch picture emphasizes our complete dependence and need for connection with Jesus. Without connection with the vine, the branch will wither and die. It depends on the vine even more than a sheep depends upon a shepherd or a child depends upon their father and mother. This is the key that we remain connected to Jesus to be able to build a good house, one with a strong foundation that will outlast the storms that are to come. So how do we remain in this vine, which is Jesus Christ? Well, I want to give you three areas that if you execute, your foundation will hold and your house will stand. Number one, remain in Jesus' words. I have some questions after these. How much time do you spend per week reading and thinking about the scripture? How much time do you spend per week watching TV or scrolling social media? These questions I'm asking to you are also for me. I think if I were to flip my news watching time with my studying scripture time, my life would go a whole lot better and I would stay in a much better state of mind. Number two, we want to remain in Jesus' love. Do I gather with fellow believers for worship, for love and encouragement? Well, I know I'm preaching to the choir on this one because y'all are here on early service on a Sunday. So you've got that one. How much time do I spend per week in prayer? You know, a three-minute prayer seems long to us, but in India, the standard is three days of fasting and prayer. When there is an urgent need, the ministers and the churches will stop everything and have three days of fasting and prayer. I fall woefully short of that standard. The third item is to remain in Jesus' commands. Pick out any of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount teachings and work to live them out. There are several to choose from. Do I love my neighbor as myself? My co-worker, my family, those I know and those I don't? Do I love enough to share my time, my money, my stuff with them? Do I love enough to share the good news of Jesus with them? Next week, we're going to look at some practical ways to do just that. I want to end today with a story. This is a story of one where I had a front row seat of what it looks like to have your foundation on the rock. The year was 2016. We were in room 207 at Johnson City Medical Center. My wife, Karen, who will be here in second service, so as I tell the story, you'll you'll understand why I'm telling you she's okay. Uh, 
we were, she was having some trouble with her heart, uh, the condition known as AFib, where your heart is out of rhythm. Serious, we were in the hospital, 9 a.m., they started an IV treatment that was designed to help her heart get back into rhythm to convert. They started the process, things were looking good, but at 9.15, everything went south. Uh, the monitors started beeping, nurses started running into the room. Karen was having a reaction. Her body couldn't tolerate this medicine that they were giving. And one nurse came in, two, three, four. They started hooking up electrodes to her chest. Uh, even a nurse came in with a clipboard to document everything that's going on. They rolled what's called the crash cart. Everyone's seen those on TV shows. Uh, and even the chaplain came to our room. You would think after six years, I'd be able to tell a story without getting choked up. So, they're hooking Karen up, the electrodes, she's still conscious, the, the monitors are going crazy. She looks over at me and she says, I'm here at the foot of the bed, giving the, the nurses room to work. She says, Tater, come over here. So I came over to her side. She says, I want you to promise me something. I said, okay. She said, if this thing goes sideways and I don't make it, I want you to get <clears throat> some of the ladies from the church, as John said, we go down to Boone's Creek Christian, together and make sure that our daughter has a proper wedding. Our daughter was scheduled to be married in May. And uh, that's all she said. And she said, I love you. And I told her, I love you. I said, yes, I promise. They pulled the bed rails up and we all start rolling down to ICU uh, where her heart did stop. But it started back again and got the medication straightened out and she was good she's in the hospital for about a week but she's doing great now she'll be here second service later that week a lot of my stories have a later clause later that week we're in IC uh, not ICU we're in cardiac step down uh, unit where they put the heart patients uh, before they go out to a regular room and there were a couple of young nurses standing outside the door kind of peeking, peeking around. And we saw them and said, hey, you know, how y'all doing? Come on in. And uh, said, you know, hi, we're Tater and Karen. And they said, well, we're, we're nurses that work on the, on the floor, on the unit. And we just wanted to come see this lady that was so calm when things were so dire and that was more worried about her daughter's wedding than about her life at that time. And Karen was able to share the gospel with them. She said, look, if I uh, die, my faith is in Jesus Christ and I'm confident then I'll be with him. 
as Paul said, you know, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And those young nurses took it all in, and they kind of left shaking their heads. I don't know if they thought, you know, she had great faith or she was just crazy. But either way, they got to hear the gospel. Her foundation was solid. How's your foundation? It can be on the rock if it's built on Jesus Christ. 